0: This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion
1: is advised. And in that moment, I remember the look of sheer horror on her face. It was a terrified look, like she'd just seen a ghost.
2: Not even 30 seconds later, a man dressed fully in black came into the room and told me to get dressed, and I quickly did as I was told.
3: Freaked out and her voice trembling, she said, Bree, there's someone in your house. They're just standing in the living room.
0: From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed.
4: This episode is sponsored by Wondery's Generation Y Podcast, where hosts Justin and Aaron dig deep for answers on crime and unsolved murder cases, breaking down theories, looking at forensic evidence, and discuss their opinions on the most perplexing cases. Listen to Wondery's The Generation Y Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. And thank you to the fun and challenging Best Fiends for supporting Disturbed. Best Fiends is the binge-worthy mobile puzzle game. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Welcome back in everyone and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales and a listener voicemail that will give you that feeling of certain dread. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with our title story, an email submission from Michael, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford. And we hear the terrifying voice in the darkness.
1: This story is hard for me to talk about with my friends, as they always assume something is deeply wrong with me and worry about my well being and some just don't believe this story altogether. Nonetheless, rest assured, everything is fine with me. Well, at least for now. There's a little background you need to know before I get into it. See, I grew up in a very religious and conservative household. And I mean very religious. I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. People in this religion believe all sorts of things. I didn't have the happiest of childhoods. I can recall wasting many of my days in church on Saturday mornings, you know, when I would much rather be watching cartoons, or reading books, and doing normal things that adolescent boys do. My mother, in particular, was the most religious of all of us. She spent a lot of her time studying the Bible, singing hymns, reciting scripture, and praying out loud on her hands and knees. Sometimes she would scream during her prayers with her arms outstretched high and tears streaming down her face and I often awoke to the sounds of her obnoxiously loud prayers. My mom also had a very loud, booming voice, so I'm sure the neighbors could probably hear her. My mother and I never really had a great relationship. Growing up, I, along with my older brother and younger sister, suffered a lot of verbal and mental abuse from her. She scolded us often, repeatedly telling us we need to do better as followers of Christ, and that we're not good enough to be called His servants. In our household, my parents wouldn't tolerate our mistakes. and They were often met with severe and harsh punishment. And growing up Russian, it was often that any time we as kids would misbehave, it would result in a whipping. So, because of all the beatings, I grew up fearing my parents. I typically avoided being alone with my mother, and I did my best to keep my distance from her. However, living in the same house, that's not always easy to do. I can recall one summer afternoon at my house. I was nine at the time. I was just in the kitchen, sitting and drawing something on the dining room table. My mom walked in to make herself a cup of tea. Once the tea was finished, she sat down next to me and began reading her Bible and sipping her tea, as she usually does during that time of day. She peered over and glanced at my drawing and asked, What are you drawing? I don't honestly remember what I was drawing, but as I was explaining to her my masterpiece, I turned to face my mom and made eye contact with her. And in that moment, I remember the look of sheer horror on her face. It was a terrified look, like she'd just seen a ghost. And her face went pale and her eyes widened. and Her jaw dropped, and she immediately placed the palm of her hand over her mouth and gasped loudly. It's him, she exclaimed. I was so confused and puzzled, and I replied back, Who? She then gets up quickly and still looking in my eyes says, Oh dear God, it's him. I see him. She then begins to cry uncontrollably. I started looking around me, wondering what on earth she was looking at and who's him, but I saw no one. Nobody was home other than my mother, myself, and my little sister who was asleep. Instantly my mother grabbed my arm and dragged me to the living room. I'm still confused as to what's going on. She then commands me to get on my knees and bow, and she faces me on her knees as well. She then places one of her hands on my shoulder and one on my head and she begins reciting Bible verses out loud in addition to her prayers. Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior, I beg you to release my son from this evil spirit within him. I call unto you, Lord, to cast out this demon and leave him at once. The prayer itself seemed to last for hours. I didn't know if she would ever stop. And then suddenly, she finished her last prayer and immediately grabbed my jaw to have my face turned towards hers as she stared deeply into my eyes. She then sighed in relief and said, He's gone. She then sent me to my room with my Bible and demanded I read for the next hour to remain safe. The next day went by and I was still confused as to what happened. What did my mom see that was so terrifying that got her to react this way? There was nothing off about me. I wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. As I walked downstairs to grab something from the kitchen, I saw my mom reading a book alone in the living room. I figured, since she was in her calm state, that I can talk to her and have her explain to me what she saw. I approached her and asked, and in that moment, she then tells me to go sit in the armchair next to her for a story she has to tell. So according to my mother, many years ago before I was born, and when she was pregnant with my older brother, she had seen a demon standing before her, like in a physical presence. From what I remember my mom telling me, the thing she had seen was so grotesque and bizarre looking that no words could describe it. And what's crazy is that she witnessed this happening in her own kitchen in broad daylight when she was just preparing a meal, and that same demon she saw many years ago, she claimed to have seen him in my eyes that morning when I was drawing in the kitchen. I was so shocked when I heard this, I was even offended and hurt by it, I mean to think my own mother thinks I'm possessed, and because of that incident, I often look into my pupils and my reflection in the mirror to see the demon my mom claims she saw most of the time I see nothing. Now, occasionally I do see something off about my pupils when I look into my reflection, but I always assume my mind's just playing tricks on me. However, I did begin experiencing strange happenings, particularly during the time of night when I would try to fall asleep, and this would proceed all throughout my life. When I would climb into bed and shut at the lights, sometimes this would happen. As I lay still with my eyes closed and waiting to fall asleep, I would suddenly get this overwhelming feeling of dread. My heart would sink and start beating fast, and my breathing would hasten. I would then begin to feel a lot of fear and impending doom, like something really bad is about to happen, like someone is in my room watching me. It was in these moments that I would get this awful feeling. I would hear steady breathing coming from my room. I denied this sound at first, thinking it was my own breathing, so I would hold my breath. Even with my breath withheld, I would still hear the sound of heavy breathing coming from my room, from an unknown source. I would open my eyes and look around my room but see no one. I would turn on my bedside lamp and still see no one. Am I going crazy? Is it normal to be experiencing this? I honestly don't know. Now, this doesn't happen every time I try to fall asleep. In fact, there are many nights where I sleep just fine. Many months and years can go by before I experience this and then it just occurs again. However, one particular night, I heard something more than just heavy breathing. This night happened in my last year in college. I believe it was November of 2018. I was 23 at the time. I do have to note that I was not under the influence of any substance. I went to bed that night totally sober, as it was a Sunday night and I had class early the next day. I crawled into bed and turned off the lights. As I was lying in bed, I I began to experience that feeling of dread, followed by overwhelming fear. By this point, I I was used to the feeling, so I wasn't bothered by it much. But that's when I heard it. A voice in the darkness whispered in my ear. Someone physically pressed their mouth onto my ear to whisper something. Horror and shock filled my body, so much that I nearly lost consciousness. I'd never been so scared before in my life. I immediately shot out of my bed and ran towards the light switch. I turned on the lights and looked around my bedroom, but nothing. No one. Nothing out of place even. I was still struck with fear. I knew at that moment I had to call someone and explain this paranormal encounter. The first person I thought of was my younger sister, who was 16 at the time. I would describe her as someone very spiritual, as someone who upholds her faith strongly. She studies the Bible way more than I do and practices religion way more than me. I knew she would be the best person to talk to, so I called her and explained what just happened to me. I then heard her voice trembling in response, saying, Oh my God, I cannot believe that just happened, followed by the sound of her sobbing. We both prayed over my well-being for quite some time over the phone. Our conversation ended, and I thanked her for praying for me and hearing me out. I hung up the phone and climbed back into bed. As I laid there, I, I didn't experience anything unusual again, thank God. But I did keep on thinking about that voice and the encounter, and how real it all felt. That voice I heard was something inhuman, and not from this world. It was demonic sounding, very low and very deep, almost like a growl. It had the most sinister tone in it that I could not describe, a kind of tone that holds unthinkable intentions behind it. It said four words to me that made my skin crawl and the breath leave my lungs. I'm coming
5: for you.
0: Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast. Email my at Up
4: next, we check in with Reddit user Unlucky Clown13, featuring voice work by Tanya E.B. And we get taken against our will.
2: I'm aware that this might be a bit long, but this is probably the scariest event of my life. So when I was nine years old, I lived in Mexico, and let's just say that it wasn't a particularly peaceful year when it came to crime. At that point, I was living with just my mom in my childhood home up in the mountains near a forest, which, full disclosure, I absolutely loved my home since I was a big fan of nature. One night, I woke up from an absolutely horrible nightmare and quickly made my way to my mom's room to wake her up because I was so panicked. After I stopped crying, I got into the bed with her and as we were falling asleep, I told her that I didn't want to live in that house anymore. And all my mom said was, I promise this is the last night you have to sleep in this house. And that was a haunting promise that was kept. We were woken up while it was still dark by my dog barking nonstop outside. My mom got out of bed grumbling about him being so loud that early and made her way to the front door that led to the front garden, where my dog was yapping away. We had an alarm system on the doors and windows, so I just heard my mom deactivate it in order to check on what was going on with my dog. I was still laying in bed because I was cold, and it was still too early to go to bed, when suddenly, I heard my mom scream, which caused me to stand up and call for her. Not even 30 seconds later, a man dressed fully in black and wearing a balaclava came into the room and told me to get dressed And I quickly did as I was told. They took me to the living room where two men, dressed exactly the same as the one who got me, had my mom with a bandage over her eyes. I just remember her begging the three men to leave us alone and telling them where her wallet and valuables were, but one of them just said, That's not why we're here. They proceeded to put pillowcases over our heads and shoved us into the trunk of our car. After this, the rest of the events were a bit fuzzy, since it was hard to tell time and our sight was so limited. They hid us somewhere in the forest, hidden between a rock wall and a bed mattress. I can't really say how long we were there, and I have vague memories of one of the men's back that I caught a glimpse of when I peeked under the pillowcase. All my mother did was pray non-stop. One, because she truly believed in God, but two, because Mexicans are extremely religious, and it might dissuade them from killing a mother and child. After being moved to another location, inside a seemingly abandoned house, They called my family to ask for ransom. We couldn't really hear most of the conversations, but the man we'd nicknamed the mean one felt the need to tell me that my father didn't love me and that they were going to send him a few of my fingers if he didn't pay up. Shortly, we were loaded into another car where my mom started begging one of the men to not kill us. They drove around for what felt like hours until they suddenly stopped and dragged us out and told us to get on our knees. At this point, My mother was certain that we were going to get shot, so she asked that if they did shoot, to shoot me first, in order for me not to hear my own mother die. The men said nothing, and we abruptly heard the car peel out, and my mother just screamed at me to run as fast as I could. We ran for a few minutes, and then saw a residential area, where we started frantically knocking on the doors, hoping that the kidnappers didn't plan on coming back for us. To our desperation, nobody in the first two houses opened up their door, when... Suddenly, an old man opened up at the third house, and after trying to explain to him and seeing the state we were in, he let us come in and call my father. After he picked up the phone, all I could do is cry after hearing his voice. He came to get us, and that night was the first and last time I ever saw my father cry.
0: We need to get rid of some evidence. Don't go anywhere.
4: Disturbed is brought to you by the Generation Y Podcast, one of my current go-to listens in my playlist. Justin and Aaron do such a great job with this show and it's one of those podcasts where I'll find myself binging several episodes in a row because I just can't stop. They visit cases of crime and unsolved murders and present the episodes in a way that really breaks everything down and lays it all out in an easy-to-follow format. And what i really appreciate is the extreme attention to detail for each case they leave no stone unturned in examining the evidence and bring their own thoughts and perspectives that will make you think about things in a new way in a recent episode aaron and justin look into the case of funeral homeowner dan o'connell and his intern james ellison who were both found shot to death in dan's office but the murder went unsolved Years later, detectives interviewed a Catholic priest, Father Ryan Erickson, for a separate case. But in the process, he revealed information only the killer and detectives knew about the double murder. Then, Father Ryan hanged himself. And with their only suspect now deceased, police and the community grappled with the questions remaining, did a Catholic priest kill two men? And if so, why? For me, Generation Y is a go-to listen because of the attention to detail and variety of cases they cover. Justin and Aaron do the victims justice in their approach to the show, and that's something that can get lost in many other podcasts. Listen to Wondery's The Generation Y Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. We're also brought to you by Best Fiends, the mobile puzzle game that has quickly become one of my absolute favorites. And let's face it, we all need to unwind at some point, right? You get up, you go to work, you have a stressful day. You gotta find a way to decompress, and the way I do it is best fiends. And what better way than losing yourself in the action? You jump right in, play a few levels, level up, move on, advance, it's a great way to get away for however long you need. And what I've been noticing happening, is I'll get on a little bit of a winning streak and I just don't want to stop, it's just that fun. Anytime I know I'm going to have some spare time to kill, like the other day I was waiting back on a phone call so I knew I needed my phone close by, and I just pulled up the Best Fiends app and jumped right back into where I was in the game. Instead of just waiting around, I was able to relieve some stress and engage my mind. And I've talked about it before, but I've been playing for close to eight to nine months or so, and I really haven't found a better mobile puzzle game. We're up to level 198 and counting. The game itself features tons of cute, fun characters that help you solve thousands of fun puzzles. The more you play, the more characters and features you unlock along the way. Anyone can download and jump right into the action. It doesn't matter if you've only got a few minutes or you've gone all day. Best Fiends has you covered with fun, engaging gameplay. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. But also the science and psychology behind them so if you're interested in true crime or mental health i'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts
0: now back to the deliciously frightful disturbed podcast with your host chad
4: now let's hear from one of our listeners straight off the hotline at disturbedpodcast.com hotline free and available to all listeners. So, Michael,
5: take it away. Hi, this is Michael. I left uh, my story about a nightcrawler spotting where I was... uh, I'm in South Carolina, and we have an area around here outside of King Street uh, called Cedar Swamp. And me and my brother were out there. And, um, you know, just one night just hanging out, and... Just being out in the country and nothing to do. We said, why don't we just go out and go to the woods? Because that's always a great idea. So we went out. And we didn't get far at all into the woods, actually. like We literally walked into the wood line. And after just, you know, several steps, we saw this maybe two feet, three foot tall. It was literally just a head with two legs. It didn't really have a body. And it was pale i guess it was like white but like i said again this was at night but it was only a few feet away at the same time you couldn't really make out many features it's like as soon as we saw it and it came into our vision we you know we just kind of froze and it didn't make a sound or or anything it just kind of looked at us and then it turned around and ran off and me and my brother did the same thing just looked at each other and ran off went back to the house and I've I asked around for years, you know, this was maybe, maybe 15, 16 years ago at least. And I'd never heard of these creatures before until I was watching a YouTube video called uh, uh, I think Fresno Nightcrawlers, and apparently someone in Fresno has seen them too. But that's the exact same thing I've seen, I don't know, it's just really weird, it's just, <laughs> I can't explain it. But yeah, but I really appreciate the chance to share the story. Hit me up anytime if you have any questions or anything. Appreciate you.
4: Now that's what I'm talking about. The Fresno Nightcrawler. If you're not familiar, go ahead and do yourself the pleasure of a quick Google search. I think you'll be pretty creeped out by what you find. And as far as what this thing actually is, or what it could be, I'll leave that up to you to decide. Big thanks to Michael for sharing that entry, and I'm certainly looking for more stories just like this. So if you've experienced something similar to Michael, or something you just can't explain, well, go ahead and make use of our free hotline, disturbedpodcast.com hotline. Up next, we have an email submission from Christiana, featuring voice work by and Mauschel, and sometimes it's the simplest unexplainable things that can be the most perplexing
6: I'm a believer of all things paranormal with a healthy dose of skepticism, I might add. I'm generally open to all ideas and all possibilities. But something has recently come to my attention that cannot be explained, and I've kind of been obsessing over it ever since. This is kind of a long story, so bear with me. Back in the winter of 2010, I was going to a house party at my friend's house with another friend of ours. Let's call her Laura. Laura and I had smoked a joint before heading to our friend's house in preparation for the evening's events. In our late teens and early 20s, this house was our official party house. We spent many a night, be it summer or winter, on the patio of this house, drinking, playing games, and listening to music. It was our home away from home. In fact, if you talked to anyone who hung out with us back then and mentioned the patio, they would know exactly what you were talking about. We had countless parties at this place and I knew it like the back of my hand. The layout of this house is forever scorched into my brain. I tell you that to tell you this. As I stated before, I've walked through this backyard to the screen door of the patio more times than I can ever count. It was always the same. It was a screened-in patio with a screen door that led out into the backyard and the pool. On this particular night, something happened that had never happened before. When Laura and I walked through the gate then into the backyard, we simultaneously reached for the screen door handle to enter the patio, only to find our hands grasped nothing. To our confusion, we noticed the handle for the door was not where we had reached, but on the opposite side. I cannot begin to express the perplexity that filled me when I'd realized I'd reached for the wrong side of the door for the handle. The look of bewilderment on Laura's face confirmed it wasn't just me. Had they moved the door handle? Had they purchased a new screen door? Totally puzzled, we opened the door and walked into the patio where I saw two of our other friends sitting inside. We'll call them Ronnie and Jake. They were sitting at one of the patio tables. The way the table was set up had Ronnie facing the patio door while Jake's back was to it. We walked inside and I directed my attention to Ronnie since this was his parents' house. I asked, why did y'all move the patio door handle? He glanced up from their game of chess and looked me dead in the eye. He looked as confused as I felt. All he said was, How stoned are you? I felt my face turn a bright red. The embarrassment was palpable. In part because I had a massive crush on Jake and I felt like a total idiot for even asking that question in the first place. Of course they didn't change the screen door. That thing was older than me. To avoid further embarrassment, I turned on my heels and Laura and I headed inside to find our friend. Now, that experience alone was enough to note as odd, but I just chalked it up to us being high and filed it away and eventually forgot about it. Now, about a week ago, I was hanging out with another friend. I'll call her, Mary. Mary was also a frequenter of the party patio back in the day. We were discussing past parties and fond memories when she began telling me a story a story that took place back in 2007. She proceeded to tell me about a time when she was going to hang out at the patio. She described how she walked through the gate to the backyard as we all did to get to the patio. But when she reached for the patio door and tried to open it, she realized that she reached for the opposite side for the handle. She went on to say how totally confusing that was. And when she finally walked into the patio, she saw Ronnie and Jake. They were sitting at the patio table exactly as they had been sitting when Laura and I walked into the patio three years later. I listen intently in utter shock as she describes how red she felt her face get and she made a beeline into the house to avoid further embarrassment. After she was done telling me her story, I asked her, are you fucking with me right now? I then proceeded to tell her my story that I just told you. You see, At the time both of these events took place, Mary and I weren't on speaking terms, so we never told each other of our experiences. Over the years, Jake and I had begun dating, and eventually we got married. After hanging out with Mary, I went home and told Jake all about it. He thought it was weird and kind of laughed it off, so I did too. But if I'm honest, it's really been messing with me. How could two people, three if you count Laura, make the same mistake in two different periods of time at the same place with the same patio door. It just makes no sense. After absorbing all of this information, I started reading up on things like alternate realities and the Mandela Effect. Is that what happened to us? Was this some alternate reality? I guess we'll never really know what happened those two nights at the patio door.
0: Are you terrified yet? You will be.
4: And finally, an email submission from Bree, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we meet the man in the hat.
3: This took place around the time I was in middle school, so about 14 years ago or so. After school one day, A friend and I were going through my closet and getting rid of old clothes I could no longer fit in because growth spurts. It was only the two of us in my old two-story house in Virginia Beach that my family was renting. We moved around in that neighborhood quite a few times and had just moved in not long ago from a townhouse across the lake. Now, I have always been a fairly sensitive and spiritual person. Being able to see people and figures who weren't there figures coming and going, and hearing noises out of nowhere. Our old townhouse had the spirit of a little girl who would always come up the stairs in the middle of the night and mess with me when I was home. Years later, the townhouse caught fire after we had eventually moved to one just a few houses down and across the street from it, and I swear, I saw the little girl in the room with the fire just waving at me. But that's a different story than the one I want to tell today. The way the house was set up is when you walked in the front door, there was the living room immediately to the left where my friends and I would hang out sometimes. It had two sofas, an old school TV, you know, the ones that had a box on the back, not the flat screen types now, along with a VCR, a cable box, paintings my grandmother had done throughout her life and an electric organ the previous owners had left behind. Yeah, that piece was haunted too, but it's not the point of the story either. Going straight through would lead you to the kitchen that was in the back of the house and overlooked the backyard and the lake it was up against. To the right is the staircase leading upstairs. Immediately to the left at the top of the stairs is my room. So I would always hear our 140 pound dog, Lucky, going up and down the stairs, or my parents coming and going and the front door opening and closing just below. Next to my room was my mom's office, and across from her office was my parents' bedroom. After going through my trinkets and clothing for a while, my friend announced, "'Hey, I'm going to go get some water. "'Do you want anything?' I told her, "'No, I'm good.'" I finished folding a shirt and got up and sat on my bed, petting Lucky, who was asleep. I could hear my friend going down the steps with each creak of the floorboards. Then I suddenly heard her stop halfway down. There was a pause, and then her steps rapidly started up again, but she was running back up the stairs and into my room. Freaked out and her voice trembling, she said, Bree, there's someone in your house. They're just standing in the living room. I thought she was crazy. We were the only ones in the house. It was four in the afternoon. We usually got out of school around 2.30. So I told her, no way, we're the only ones here. The doors are locked, and if someone got in, we would have heard it. She was pulling my arm and freaking out. We went down the stairs and stopped halfway down as we peeked over the banister, trying not to be seen. (laughs) Like that would have helped with how loud those steps were. And there he was, a tall man in a long trench coat and a fedora hat, just standing in the living room and looking at one of the paintings my grandmother had done before she passed. I stood there frozen, because the scariest part of it all was that While we could make out the details of what he was wearing, the man himself was just a pitch-black figure. He turned towards us slowly, and we could see where a face should have been, but it was pitch-black too. The only things you could make out were two darker, hollow pits where his eyes should have been. He stared at us for a moment, and then slowly started making his way towards us. He wasn't running. He was just walking at a casual pace. However, my friend and I both ran. We climbed up the stairs on all fours, panicking, and slammed my door behind us. Even worse, there was no locking mechanism on my door, so I leaned up against my door while sitting on the floor and bracing myself against my desk with one foot and holding the wall and gripping my bunk bed till my knuckles were white. I told my friend to grab my cell phone. Not a smartphone, mind you, but an old-school flip phone with an antenna, and told her to call the cops. While she was frantically searching for it, Lucky just looked at us like we were nuts. He got up though as soon as he heard the stairs start to creak, one by one. He started growling and I could see the hairs on the back of his neck standing on in as he looked past me and to the door I was holding shut. Closer and closer I heard the steps up the stairs with my heart pounding in my ears. Until the steps stopped, in front of my door. I felt the floor behind me slightly dip, as it usually does if somebody walks on it, and it felt as if someone was standing there behind me, like they were waiting on the other side of the door. I wanted to scream, but I held it in and braced myself against the door, getting ready for the banging and pushing to come. I was waiting for the man to break in and do whatever unthinkable thing he was considering doing to two young girls. I kept thinking about how This thing wasn't human. Those hollow black pits where his eyes should have been are forever burned into my memories now. I could feel his presence on the other side of the door. My friend got off the phone with the police, and we waited there, bracing against the door, for ten minutes. She opened the window as the police got closer and waved them down. I didn't feel the floor behind me change. It felt like he was still standing there. I kept waiting for the pushes and the door banging and aggravation of a predator not being able to catch his prey. But the bangings never started. No sounds of panic or anger, and no steps going down the stairs from where he came, and broke in through the glass on the front door. I heard more footsteps coming up the stairs, and then an officer knocked on my bedroom door asking to be let in. I eased up and slowly cracked the door open to see a man in a police uniform. The other officer went further down the hall after taking a quick look in my room. He then left to search the rest of the upstairs. He told me they searched the house and found no one. Then my mom got home from being called in by an officer. They told us it was wrong to play tricks on the police and that it could be a serious offense. We were both panicked and scared as we told them what we saw again and again. The officers looked at each other like we were the crazy ones both doors were locked from inside. There was no evidence of forced entry or any open windows, aside from the one in your room that your friend used to flag us down, one of the officers told me. My mom apologized to the police and thanked them for checking up on us and answering the call. After that, I only ever saw the man in the hat one more time, peering into my room when the door was cracked late one night. We left the house to move into the townhouse across from where the fire and the little girl were. I never saw him again.
0: Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod.
4: Submit your own experience to the show in writing or through our hotline all available at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is an independent production, funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And a shout-out to our newest supporters, Lana Sisson, Dylan Smith, Joshua K, Gabriella D, and Nellie Nell, they all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too, patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.